1: We shut her down last Sunday in a standoff, a standoff between God, you and I playing the part of Moses, and a snake. And we're telling God, God, you change it, and then we'll pick it up. And God says, no, you pick it up, frightened and with it all out of control, and I will change it in your hand. That was teaching point number one. Take a look at it on the side screen. Stop running and take hold of it. Stop running and take hold of it. All right, let's continue. Let me pray for you. Father, I believe in the powerful name of Jesus that every person in this room, you are, have them here because you have set a divine appointment with them. They couldn't be anywhere else on this Moral of Day weekend because, Father, there's something you wanted them to hear. There's a meeting that you wanted to have with them. And, Father, I pray right now, right here in this place, you would meet with us. There are people in this room, Father, that desperately need to hear your voice. They desperately need to know that you, Father, they have your attention, that you're in control, and that you've got more for them in the days to come. So I'm going to ask right now in the name of Jesus that that divine appointment would take place like nobody else is in the room but you and them. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, back to the story Exodus chapter 4. You remember God chooses Moses, so I want you to go and do something for me. I want you to go tell Pharaoh, let all my people go, tell those Egyptian people to back off. I want you to do something for me, God says to Moses. And Moses starts to argue, chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, well, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? A staff, he replied. And the Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe. This is so they may believe. What we're going to do here. Is so that people will believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. All this is about whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, and you've got to decide that. Are you a believer or are you an unbeliever? If you are a believer, I want you to shout. I want you to put your hands together. I want you. To, okay, All right. Well, now it's about how much you believe. Well, you believe. Well. So does Satan. Do you believe more than Satan? Do you have a relationship with God where you believe what he says? Do you trust him? So now God says, okay, you're a believer. I have you on this side. The unbelievers are on that side. Thank you for being on this side. Now let's just see how close we're going to walk this out together based on one thing. How much do you believe in me? So God asked Moses the question and here's a simple start. What's in your hand? What is that in your hand? That's nothing, just a stick, just a small thing, but you know, it's all you're talking about because it's all I got. Have you ever done an assessment of what you have left, you know, after the divorce, after the career change, (laughs) after the loss of a loved one? The enemy wants you to always assess and think about what you don't have in your hands. Well, I'm 50, and I still don't have or I'm 70 and I you know I've never made it to but God specializes in doing big things with what you have left. Want me to prove it to you? David what you got? Well, I got a few rocks. Got a slingshot. Oh oh yeah and I, I got God. <laughs> Samson, what do you got? Philistines coming down on you. Now they're going to they're going to kill you, Samson. What do you got? Well, you're walking over here, you know, and I saw this uh That's a bad Arnold Schwarzenegger impression, but I kind of picture Samson like Arnold. And there's like this, there's just like this skeleton over here of a donkey, and there was a jawbone over here, and it had gnarly looking teeth on it. So I thought it looked mean and I picked it up. And I killed a thousand Philistines with it. Oh yeah, and I had God. (laughs) Ruth, what you got there? Well, I got a little basket. I've got a relative, I don't know him, named Boaz. He said I could kind of go into his field and pick up some grain. Oh, yeah. And I've got God. Hey, little guy, what do you got? Well, I got, I got five loaves and two fish. Oh, yeah. And I got God. You see, your God's not interested in anything you've lost on the journey because you're going to lose things in this life. Your God's interested in what you got left because that's what he wants to work with. You, <laughs> And what do you have in your hand? What are you willing to let God call whatever it is he wants to call it? What do you have? That's eh, it's just a stick, no? It's whatever God says that it is. Well, it's just, you know, just a little bitty job. No, it's what, God, it's what God says that it is. Well, my experience has been, no, I don't care what your experience has been. From this day forward, it is whatever God says that it is. It's a broken heart. That's what I've got. That's all i got left out of this thing. no. <laughs> It's a full heart that can make somebody else's dreams come true. It is whatever God says that it is. You see, you have more than you think you do, and it doesn't matter what you've lost along the journey. The only thing that matters is what you've got left. Teaching point here. Look at it on the side screen. There is more for your life than you've experienced so far. Everybody say that. There is more for my life than what I have experienced so far. Now let me give you a little bit more of the story. First of all, you know the the information about the snake. He throws the rod on the ground, turns into a snake, and God says that's so that they'll believe. But if they don't believe Moses, stick your hand in your coat. I mean, so he sticks his hand in his coat. He pulls it out. He has a terminal illness. It's leprosy. And in that day and age, that that was a death sentence. So he sticks his hand in his coat. He pulls it out. And he has leprosy. His hand is white as snow, the Bible says. And then God says, and of course, you know he's got to be freaking. Oh, no, I'm going to die. He sticks his hand back in his coat, pulls it back out. And the Bible says his hand is as healthy as the rest of his body. And then God said, well, if they don't believe the first one, they'll believe the second one. And if they don't believe that, dip some water out of the Nile River, pour it on the ground, and I'm going to turn it to blood. He said, but they're going to believe what you say. I need you to speak to them because they're going to believe what? You say, and Moses says, Moses says, you want me to, you want me to, Lord, you know when I get nervous, I get, I, I get all to, tongue, tongue, I stutter. Did y'all know that about Moses? God chose a man to speak for him who stuttered. Are you kidding me? How long, God, is it going to take Moses to tell them what it is you want them to hear? How long? And why Moses? If you're going to choose somebody to speak, shouldn't they be good at speaking? And Moses is like, I, 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 can't, I can't, Lord, Lord, not, 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 I don't, I don't, you know, Lord, I, you know. And God's like, who controls you? what people see and what they don't see. This is, it's all in the verse. I'm not, I'm not embellishing this. Who, who decides whether or not people can talk or they can't talk? And Moses says, now watch this. Please, God, send somebody else. Now, here's the crazy thing to me. Moses just saw his self healed from a terminal illness. Now, don't you think that would have been a good time to say, well, if you want me to speak for you, God, then go ahead and clean up my speech. But he never did that. Instead, out of fear, he went ahead and said, God, I see it, I know it, I experienced it, but send somebody else. And God goes, all right, Aaron, your brother's on his way. He'll be glad to see you. He'll do the talking for you. I'll be with both of you, right? And there's no record in the Bible that God ever healed Moses of his speech impediment. Isn't that sad? I mean, Moses could have gone it alone. It would have been fine. But instead, Moses backs off and he says, no. He says, I don't really want to. And God says, okay, well, then you and Aaron go. you both speak for me. That's how it's going to happen. Now, I don't know how you look at Moses in the Bible, but I think Charlton Heston way overplayed his character in the movie. I do not believe that the true Moses walked in and said, let my people go. I don't believe that at all. I believe it was more like uh 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 got got uh uh oh you, you might uh let uh let uh, uh let let, let uh, uh let people Aaron yeah uh what he's trying to tell you is like uh God uh want you to let his people go or it's going to get all ugly up in here. That's how I think it went down. I don't think Moses was cool. I don't think he had it all together. I don't think he was powerful. The man lived in a wilderness and ran from a snake. Please. But all of a sudden, we see God taking his life and making it better than it had ever been before. I remember when God called me to preach, I was 16 years of age, and I literally thought he was talking to somebody else. I'm like, (laughs) Lord. And I was the only one sitting on the stairs of a church on a Sunday afternoon, and I was waiting. I was going to go pick up Anna. We were going to go get something to eat. But she wasn't ready yet, so I was hanging out at the church, and I was it. I was the only one on the stairs. And I remember Him speaking to me, I want you you to be a full-time minister. I want you to serve me with your whole life. And I, I told him, yeah, I want you to preach. And I remember thinking and I remember saying this, God, let me serve you behind the scene. Please. God, I don't want to get up on that platform. I wanna talk to people. That scares me to death. I wanna talk to anybody like that. Let me just serve you from behind the scenes. I don't have to be seen. Nobody needs to know my name. I will serve you to just be me, me and you. And then I remember how scared I was when I started speaking. I remember my knees would shake. I remember my hands would shake. I remember I, I had to put the microphone on a stand because I, I would do this with a microphone. I remember that. And then all of a sudden I spoke one time and I forgot to be afraid. And the truth of the matter is I don't even know when that happened. I don't even know when it happened. But our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father will choose you and change your life to do things if you're just willing to say yes I don't know what, I, that's all I got, Lord. It's all I got. I got a broken heart. I got two kids and I'm a single parent and I'm working down at Herb Burgers. That's what I got, okay? Then I'm going to take that and make your dreams come true. Okay. What are you going to call it, Lord? I'm going to call it a future, a career, the right person coming into your life. All I need you to do is believe me. Just believe me. And watch this, pick it up a little. Just pick it up a little. (laughs) Wow. Choose to live your life really believing your Father God. Choose to live your life really believing your Father God. How many of you parents would have ever asked your children to pick up a very dangerous snake when they were afraid of it? Are there any parents in here that would be a parent that would tell their kid, I need you to pick up that very dangerous snake? Oh, yeah, and grab it by the tail. That will be fun. Anybody, anybody. Well, why could God do that then? I mean, he's our father. He's the one that sets the example. Here, you and I say we're good parents, and we would never ask a frightened child to pick up a snake. We'd never do it. God did it. How come it was okay for him and it's not okay for us? Because God was in total control of the snake, right? A few seconds earlier, it was a stick. That stick wouldn't bite nobody. And God changed it into a dangerous snake, but that was still in his control. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you believe that God was in control, total control, of that situation? Raise your hand. Okay. Let me ask you another question. How many of you then believe that God is in total control of your situation? Raise your hand. Well, then stop freaking out. Stop getting all I'm all anxious. Oh, filled with anxiety. Ooh, can't sleep at night. What? Is he in control of your situation or not? And stop freaking out. He's got this. Choose to really believe that in your Father God. 1 Kings chapter 19 says this. Elijah, by the way, had just killed 450 false prophets. He was exhausted, but he had had a very successful day. So Elisha was afraid. Now watch what happens to this great man of God, destroyed 450 prophets. He's talking to Ahab. Ahab runs back and tells his wife what happened. Her name is Jezebel. She is wicked and she is mouthy. So Elijah was afraid. He fled for his life because she said, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill you before tomorrow. I'm going to kill you. Now, he just killed 450 men. He killed 450 prophets. This woman says, I'm going to kill you. So he's afraid. He fled for his life. And by the way, he was exhausted. All of his tanks were empty. And he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left a servant there. Then he went in, alone into the wilderness, traveled all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree. He prayed that he might die. I have had it, Lord. Take my life. Now, this is, this is basically a suicide request. This is I-want-to-check-out-of-here request. This is a life's-too-hard request. This is I-don't-want-to-keep-going request. For I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under a broom tea. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around. There by his head was bread and hot stones, jar of water. So he ate and he drank, laid back down again. Then the angel of the Lord came, touched him again, said, Get up, eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up, he ate, he drank. Some food gave him enough strength to go 40 days and 40 nights. That's some power bar right there, isn't it? To Mount Zinai, the mountain of God. And there he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here? What, What are you doing here? And so he starts complaining. I'm zealous. I'm trying to serve you. Nobody else is. They're trying to kill me now. Nobody really appreciates what I'm doing. Others are not really doing as good as I'm doing. He starts tattletaling on people that aren't doing as good as he's doing. So he's tattletaling. He's, 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 he's uh, griping and complaining. And God never says a word about that. He says, stand over here. And God, you know, here's a wind, mighty wind. Here's a whisper. And then God says to him, what, what are you doing here? Now, the angel told him he was going to take a journey. He got the food to take the journey. He went there. Do you think God didn't know where his location was? So what did God mean when he said, What are you doing here? Not just where he was geographically. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing in that state of depression? What are you doing feeling like life's not gonna get any better? What are you doing thinking about dying? What are you doing there? What are you doing? What are you doing here? Hmm. Why, after everything that you've been through, would you be in the place that you're in? That's interesting. God did not succumb to his griping, his complaining, and He did not sit down with him and go, "Oh, oh, well, Elijah, bless your heart. It's been rough. Has been rough on you? You kill all those people and that mean lady, that mean lady Jezebel. She said you're gonna get. Oh, that mean lady. What am I gonna do about that? Oh, it's so no." Here's the next point. Choose to stop being a big baby. Really, honest to God, some of you have lived a 50, 60, 70 years old, and this is the first time you've heard somebody say it, and I'm commissioned to say it. Stop being a big baby. Your heavenly Father is not going to baby You. You want me to prove it to you? I'll be happy to prove it to you. I was saved at the age of 12. I surrendered my life to preach at the age of 16. And now, for 40 years, I have served my Heavenly Father. And I love Him. I absolutely love Him. I talk to Him all day throughout the day about everything. I talk to Him about traffic. I talk to Him about... Family. I talked to them about you, a whole lot about you. I talked to him about stuff. I talked to him about simple. Where am I going to go eat today? Lord, can I go to Qdoba? Yeah, I'll go to Qdoba today, Lord. That'd be good. I think I'll go to Qdoba. That's what I want. I want to go. You go to Qdoba with me, Lord. I, I just have conversation with them all day long. And I'll talk to them like that. And I am a high-maintenance child of God. You know that. I need a lot of stuff, so I ask him for a lot of stuff. I am a high-maintenance talk to him and ask him for a lot. I love him with all my heart. I tell him I love him. I tell him, thank you for every tank of gas. You know me. You know what I'm talking about. And my Heavenly Father has never babied me one minute of my entire life. Not once. Not once. The Heavenly Father has allowed the Holy Spirit to put an arm around me when my dad died. He's helped me and comforted me through grieving. But my Heavenly Father does not baby me. He never has. And if God, think about it, if your father God has ever babied you, send me an email. I'd like to hear the story. Because I never have seen it in the Bible. He didn't baby his own son, Jesus. Jesus. He's not going to baby you, and here's why. He knows how he made you, and he's in control of the snaky situation, so pick it up, buttercup. He's not babying you. I remember I went to him one time. I said, God, there's some people in the church. They're being mean to me. They are being mean to me, God. And I've got their addresses out of a database right here, Lord. Here's their addresses, God. Would you go get them? Now, this person over here, they've moved a couple of times, so you're going to have to track them down. But, Lord, here's their addresses. Stick them. <laughs> Nothing. You know what he did? He went silent. You know what he did with Elijah, he went silent. Nobody else is serving you. I'm the only one serving you. Nobody, Everybody's messing around. and I'm the only one that's zealous. I mean, they're going to try to kill me, God. Silent. And then God said, well, I'm going to need you to go back the way you came, and I'm going to need you to anoint the king of Israel. Then I need you to anoint you know, this king, and then I need you to anoint Elisha. Elisha's going to come alongside. You. Then I'm going to need you to. And You know what he did to me? God, what about people being mean to me? You know, I need to go ahead and start that children's wing now. And I want you to build that children's wing on the west side. God, what about? And then, you know, I want you to do on the west side. We're going to do the administration building on the east side. That way the staff, when they come in early to pray, they can watch the sun coming up over the mesa. So I'm going to need you to do it. Do you know what God has done for me every time I've ever complained? He gave me more to do. Do you know what happens to me when I complain about the things-to-do list that my wife gives me? Because what good is it for God to go, oh, bless, you. oh, bless your heart. I'm so sorry. Oh, that person did be mean to you. No. He leaves you completely out of that. And what he does do is he gives you more to do. So choose to stop being a big old baby. You're welcome. Thank you very much. That's worth the price of admission right there. I'm going to go home, get my phone out, and text tithe myself on how good that was that I just said. I'm going to say it to my that Hooper, stop being a big old baby. Yeah, thank you very much. I was good. Choose to be positive and grateful. Choose to be positive and grateful. There it is. Stop complaining and move forward. God is never going to respond to your griping and complaining. He will never respond to griping and complaining. He will never respond to it. He never has. You know the only person on the only people on the planet that respond to somebody griping and complaining and whining is a worn-out, tired parent. I eat the whole bag of candy. I don't even care anymore. You know what your heavenly father is? He is not a worn-out, tired parent. (laughs) If you're really going to believe God, then you're going to have to believe what God believes about you. Would you agree with that? And here's what God believes about you. God believes that you're always forgivable. Always. The devil wants to beat you up. You know what you did. You know what you did Friday night. You know what you're thinking. You know what you looked at. You know what you said. You know... And God believes you're always forgivable, always, and easily. Lord, I'm sorry. Okay, we're good. What? God believes that you're worthy of extravagant love. He let his son die for you. He thinks you're, that wor- you're, you're worthy of that. God believes that you'll spend eternity with him. So what if, what if something happens? What are you afraid of? Well, I'm afraid the snake will bite me. Well, so? Well, it's a snake bite. Well, okay, it's a snake bite. In this life, you got bit by a snake. Well, I picked it up and it bit me. And then I died and went to heaven. Okay. And that must have been God's plan. That was what's going to take you out. The snake bite. What else could happen? Well, the snake could bite you and the snake could die. And then everybody watching would say, do not mess with that person right there. Did you? A snake bit him. You see that? Dead snake shriveled up. Snake could bite you and nothing happens to you or the snake. So that you will stop being afraid of something that hadn't happened to you yet and quit living your life in fear and imagine it to be worse than it really is. Oh, it was just a snake bite. Put a little something on it and keep going. Or... You pick it up, and a miracle happens, and you just chose to change your story. (laughs) I swear I'm going to start preaching at a black church if you guys don't wake up. (laughs) And look at this God believes that you can prosper in any economy, God believes that you can prosper. In any economy. (laughs) You know how you can tell whether you're believing God or not? If you're believing God, you're not going to look like anybody else on the job. You're not going to sound like anybody else. You're not going to talk like anybody else. You're going to stand apart. If you really believe God, you're going to make big ask. And some of us only make ask, A-S-K-S, of what we can see ourselves managing on our own. If I was selling real estate, here's my ask God, I want 10% of all the houses that sell in Mesa County. Now just go with me for a minute, realtors. Just go with me. So, Father, that means if 300 sell last month, I want a piece of 30 of them as a listing agent or a selling agent. I probably can't go to the closing tail. Of- Table on all thirty. So let me be a listing agent. Let people let me list their house. Let it sell in three days before I even have to spend any money or time, even advertising the thing or get it listed. And I pray the day it lists, Lord, I pray that it would sell, and I hadn't to do any work at all except for get a check from the closing company. That's what, Lord, I want ten percent of all the houses. Four hundred houses sell this month. I want forty of them. I want a piece of forty of them. What does the Bible say? The Bible says the wicked run when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as what? Lions. Yeah. Father, I'm flipping houses, Lord. I'm gonna flip houses. God, leave me to the houses you want me to flip, and may they be easy flip. Father, I pray all I have to do is make a little few cosmetic changes, no termite problems, Lord. Nothing went on with the foundation or the infrastructure. I pray I'll make a little curb appeal change, Father. Boom, it'd sell, and i make 30 dollars dollars $50,000 profit in a very short period of time. And Father, get me to the houses you want me to flip and sell before the competition even knows they're on the market. Put me in the right place at the right time and use me for your glory. Well, you can't tell. Nothing's happening. No, blah, blah. Really? Pick it up, buttercup. What if you saw yourself working at a place where people didn't like their job and they didn't like the people they were paid to help? What if you saw yourself living in a, working in a miserable environment at work? What if you saw yourself at a workplace where, where nobody was happy, nobody was having fun, everybody was miserable, everybody just watched the clock where they can finally just go home, nobody was really hateful, helpful, everybody was hateful and snippy to everybody walking in the door? Well, let me call it like it is. What if you work for the DMV? (laughs) Would you look like everybody else sitting at the table? Would you be snippy when customers come in after waiting two hours in the lobby to be able to go and do a little paperwork? Ann and I last week did a little paperwork at the DMV. We got our ticket, went to Puffer Bellies and had breakfast, ran an errand, came back back and waited another 45 minutes until her number was called so that the woman could be snippy to my wife. Now, when she was snippy to my wife, you, anybody get snippy to my wife, bam, I am on it. I am her hero. She was snippy to my wife, and this is how I responded, oh, honey, it's okay. God knows we don't want to wait in line any longer. What would you do if you worked there? Would you be an atmosphere changer? Would you, hey, come on in, sit down, man. How can I get you out of here quick? I know you've been waiting two hours right now. How can I get you out of here quick? How can this be a personal, positive experience for you? I'm here to help you, man. What do you need? That's a little complicated. Let me get a little help. I'll get a little help up in here. We'll get that done. We'll get you out of here as quick as we possibly can. Or would you just fit in with everybody else? How strong is your belief in God? Because if it is what you say that it is, it will change your attitude on a minute-by-minute basis. And you will not and cannot fit in with everybody else around you. Would you stand? Go ahead and stand up with me. Mm -mm -mm. Moses was destined to lead thousands of people, organize a nation, and manage millions of dollars. Yet when you meet him in this text, he's a runaway criminal who's hiding in the wilderness setting, afraid of snakes, and he had a stuttering problem. Your situation... Or your predicament does not define your destiny, because there's more in this life than you've experienced so far. There's more in this life than you've experienced so far. And every time an enemy tries to tell you something that goes different from what God has planned for your life, it is a <laughs> lie. Your situation is lying about you. That broken down old car you're driving, barely getting back and forth to work is lying about you. That house that you're living in with mortgage payments is lying about you. It's a lie. It is not your reality. What God says is your reality is your reality. So what is God saying? How many of you in here right now? How many in you right now, right now, right now, needs God to very clearly show you, speak to you, change your story, and move you to your destination. How many? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay. Get on down here. Get on down here. Come on. Come on. Come on. Get on down here. Or Memorial day weekend. Just us. I told you before the service started, today was for you, didn't I? I said, God's going to speak to you today. He's going to change things in your life today. Yeah, and you know why I told you that, right? Because I could tell your heart was broken today. I could tell. Something shook you. Put an arm around her. There you go. Get an arm around her. Why is it that so many people are so unhappy they would think about cutting their life short? I'll tell you why. Because you're not paying attention to what's in your hand it's a hand of another person that loves you kids that are looking up to you people and friends that need you to be successful so you can overflow on them God's just not selfishly gonna bless you he wants to bless you for a reason he wants to bless you to bless others I don't want to find myself sitting on the back porch of a rest home somewhere wishing that I had picked it up. God, I was afraid of it. I had my heart broken one time, so I was afraid. Some people were mean to me, so I stiff-armed everybody else till I went to my grave, God. I, I really think, honestly, and I think this is why a lot of people go to counselors, why a lot of people get on medication, why a lot of people drink too much. I really believe honest to God, you are waiting for him to baby you and make everything better. And if you won't, well, this will just feel better for a little while until God puts a big old pacifier in my mouth. And Jesus said, Father, take this cup from me. And the father said, no. Don't make me pick that up. Don't make me say hello to that person. Don't make me try out for another job. Don't make me go to a job where everybody's acting all mean and ugly and me act be the only one that stands out like a sore thumb, but in a positive way. Oh, Lord, I don't. Don't make me do that. That's scary. That's scary. God, go silent. Now, what I'm going to need you to do fill your car with gas before you get to work tomorrow and do what I told you to do. And he changes it. Well, wait a minute. Did he change it or did you change it? Did you change it or did he change it? It gets confusing. Well, wait a minute. I had to, but he did. But if he wouldn't have, then I couldn't have. It gets confusing, doesn't it? I can be a big old baby. And Anna babies me a little. A little. My mother babies me a lot, a lot. I call her, oh, honey, what can I send you? I'm good, Mom. Just wanted you to hear my cough and hear your concern. <laughs> my Father God has never done that to me, ever, ever. Father, I want 10% of all the houses selling in Mesa County. I want a piece of them, my God. And I'll tell you what, while I'm asking, why don't you make me a broker and give me a piece of 100% of them with the greatest sales team that possibly is assembled in this, in this state? Or do you want to be sitting on the back porch of a rest home one of these days wishing that you weren't afraid to ask God something that big? Because that gets his attention. Now it's about us, when before it was just about what you could do. So pick it up, Buttercup. Father God, we love you with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. You're our Heavenly Father. We're your children. We've got a lot of needs. And thank you, Father, that your word spoken over us cancels out every other word and word curses that ever been spoken over our life. No thing, nothing anyone has ever said, it all is a lie, and what you say is true. What people said, I can have or can't have, it's a lie, what you say is true. Somebody said, I'm stupid, that was a lie. (laughs) I don't have the education, that's a lie, I can't, I can't, I I I I can't. I can't talk, 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 I, I can't speak, Lord. Well, that's a lie too, wasn't it? Because we are who you say we are. And we can do what you say we can do. And Father, I want to thank you. If I've never thanked you before, thank you for not babying us. Thank you for making us who you made us to be, to do what you've made us to do. And we go out of here with a new perspective. Because our life, our future... Our destiny is what you say it is. So here we are. Use what we've got left. Use what we've got left. And I won't complain about something that's not in my hand right now. In Jesus' name, amen. That made Memorial Day worth it, didn't it? Love y'all. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.